It is my joy to welcome you to today's podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will minister to you in a special way during our time together. This is Pastor Ivan Stubbs. I'm Earl Stubbs' brother, and I am honored to preach to you this Sunday morning. I thank God for what the Lord is doing there in your church, and I'm so happy to be a part. And also my heart goes out to many of you that are going through tribulation and trials with this COVID situation that's literally striking the world. We certainly need a God of heaven to step in and intervene. And that is one of my goals this morning, to preach in such a way that the power of God will come down on this service today. Some years ago, I I heard about a story of a young fellow named Jack Sundine. He was, uh, and his dad were invited to go to the White House to meet the President of the United States. They stood in line and, and Jack said that as he watched, uh, the President was saying something to everyone as they advanced towards uh, uh, the President and uh, he couldn't wait. And finally the moment arrived and he stuck his little hand in the hands of the President of the United States and the President leaned forward a little bit and said to him, move along. And Jack was just dumbfounded. Uh, I guess Jack didn't realize that everybody wanted to have a word with the President and he would be there forever if he talked to everyone. So he had to have people move along, but he wasn't expected expecting to be told to just, just move along. So this morning, aren't you glad that when you lifted your voice and your heart and your hands to the Almighty God, that a voice didn't speak out of heaven saying to you, move along. Oh, we are serving a personal God that loves each one of us individually. Theology is the study of God. And you and I know one major truth about God, and that is God is love. The second truth about God is the holiness of God. But number one, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. By faith, by faith you believe that. He certainly has time for you this morning. He delights in us. We're the apple of his eye. He loved us so much that without hesitation, he went to the cross to die on the cross to pay our penalty, our death sentence on himself. How do we know this? God's spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are sons and daughters of God. Faith is knowing that something that you know is true is really, really true. Hebrews 11 says it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is our core values. Faith is what we believe. It is how we make the very decisions of life. It is foundational to all of our decisions. You ask yourself, what is the right thing to do? Is this what I should do? Is it kind? Does it benefit all concerned? Is it pleasing to God? All of these decisions, 
even the questions, are based on your faith. God says, your faith is more precious than gold. Without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. The, the burden that God has placed on my heart in this message is for you and I to recognize how precious our faith is and how we must pay attention to the development of our faith. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by, grie by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Can you believe the outcome of your faith is the salvation of your soul? These are exciting days that we live in, even with all of our troubles. We see God active in the world, using nations and world leaders to fulfill Bible prophecy, ushering in the soon return of the Lord. We are living in last days. However, the devil is fully aware that his time is short, and he's putting on a full court press, as it were, to stamp out God's word and all Christians who believe in God's word. We who believe here in the United States are going through quite a trial because our laws are changing and we are seeing that the preaching of holiness, preaching, in, preaching on the morality of God, is we are being branded as a hate group, marginalized, persecuted, mocked. Some are being fired from their work and it looks like this is just the beginning. In Peter, 1 Peter, God calls our faith more precious than gold, but says our faith will be tested to see if it is genuine. Number one, genuine faith is more precious than gold because it brings peace. When you look at the scriptures that say, no matter what happens to you, no matter what comes your way, you believe, you believe down to your toes that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord, called according to his purpose. You believe the scripture that says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We believe the scripture 
that, that says he will never leave us nor forsake us. God is no respecter of persons. God cannot lie. His word is yea and amen to all believe. If two agree, it shall be done. All of these scriptures is the basis for our faith. And these scriptures bring us peace because we know that God is in control. This kind of genuine faith keeps us from going to pieces during troubles. It lets you sleep at night. You break into a song rather than depression. Faith will always be tested to see if it is genuine. And that is why God says your faith is more precious than gold. So protect your faith, develop your faith, grow your faith, build your faith. It brings glory to Jesus and ushers in the salvation of your soul. Number two, genuine faith brings hope. Lamentation says it is good for a man to hope. Hope is where you believe you have a future. Something good is going to happen. All is not lost. It is going to work out. Your future is bright. That's hope. You believe that's that it's a, a good thing to serve the Lord. Colossians says, because of this hope laid up for you in heaven, now the opposite is hopelessness, trapped. Nothing ever works out. Nothing's going to change. You're lost. But in Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Titus 2-13, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 John 3.3 And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now there is a hymn, a great anthem of the church that we older folk know, and the title of that song is On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand. The, the verse says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. You know, that song is worth singing. I mean, shouting out on Christ the solid rock I stand. No other ground is sinking sand. What a truth that gets embedded in your spirit. So genuine faith gives you peace. Genuine faith gives you hope. And number three, genuine faith brings you purpose. Je Jesus came only into the world to do the will of the Heavenly Father. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good, not for evil. Plans to give you a future and a hope. 2 Timothy 1, 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus. You know, our, the Lord's Prayer says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just about every day, I pray 
that the will of God will be done in my life on this earth. Genuine faith gives you a reason to live. It gives you a purpose. And it just dispels meaninglessness. Now, number four, genuine faith is precious because it produces a grateful heart. Genuine faith knows, you just know, that he is the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father but by him. And we get to come to the Father because of Jesus. Now, are you grateful for that? Does your heart just well up and say, thank you, Jesus? Faith believes that to live is Christ and to die is gain. Faith believes that God is our shepherd and we shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. That's what faith does for me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? My faith tells me that he's walking there right beside. I will fear no evil because you are with me. And I especially like he prepares a table before me right in the presence of my enemies. It's almost saying, the Lord saying, have a seat, have something to eat, and let your enemies walk, look on. Oh, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How can you not shout? How can you not be grateful? How can you not give him praise when your faith tells you these things that are so true? Genuine faith produces thankfulness. I have not too, met too many people who walk in Christ that have genuine faith that are critical. It seems like when you're a critical person, you need to go back and take another dip at the altar because when you come to God and in faith, you become a grateful person, a thankful person. There is a plan. We're just not animals that live and die. Genuine faith knows that he is with us and great with great power, and he's gone to prepare a place for us that where he is, we shall be also. Somebody ought to give a great big shout. All oh, faith helps us to have peace, hope, and be grateful. Point five, genuine faith produces faithfulness and perseverance. It must produce this. We see in Hebrews chapter 11, the scripture says, by faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. By faith, Abel offered a more acceptable sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was not because he was taken up. Verse 6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah was warned, so he built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed, and he went out to a place that he did not know of. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive. Then the scripture says they were stoned, sawn in two, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. All of these were commended for their faith. In verse 16, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. I pray that you're this type of person, 
that your faith perseveres and is faithful. Chapter 11 gives a lot of illustrations of genuine faith being tested and shows you why your faith is more precious than gold. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also run, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, who is the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Luke 18, 8 says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, the person that I am preaching to this morning is myself. The Apostle Paul says I can preach to others and myself become a castaway. So I ask myself, Ivan, how genuine is my faith? Does my faith affect my priorities? Does it affect my activities? Does it affect my thought life? Does it affect my concern for family and a lost world? Does it produce a true heartfelt love for God where I want to spend time with him and worship him? Does God look at me and say, that Ivan really loves me? Does my faith affect my prayer life? Does it affect my thirst for the word of God? Jude 1.20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Does my faith encourage me to pray more in a heavenly language, interceding for family and friends, nation and world? Does my faith, does Ivan Stubbs faith, support and inspire those around me? especially my children, especially my grandchildren? Do they want to come to me for a word from the Lord? Do they want what I have? Is Jesus so real to me that it increases their faith? Are they learning to depend on and seek the Lord on their own? Will all of my children and my grandchildren make heaven their home? And what part do I play in my faith, in my living for God, will that model and display and affect them? Does my faith affect the prayer, the prayer frequency of my life? I believe in Romans chapter 8. I believe the Holy Spirit prays out of us groanings that we don't, do not know to utter ourselves. Does my faith prompt me in personal times of intercession for the nation and the world. Jude continues, Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. This world is coming to a close. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, They will hate you. Because they hate me. Because I testify 
that their deeds are evil. Jesus has made a statement, a prophecy. They are going to hate you because they hate me, because I testify that their deeds are evil. Your faith needs to be so strong that you can stand for Jesus, though you are being told by Jesus you're going to be hated. And how are you going to act when the world turns against you and hates you to the degree that they hated him? One of the most practical ways that you can uh, establish faith in your daily life comes from an experience I had with my brother years ago in India. Uh, my wife and I had gone to India to preach some crusades there and uh, we finished the crusades and I was sitting alone with Earl in his living room at his house and he looked across, uh, he was sitting on the couch, I was on a chair and he looked at me and he says, Ivan, what do you need the Lord to do for you? And so, I, I, man, I started thinking because I wanted to get this one right. It was like rubbing uh, Aladdin's lamp or something here that I was going to get my request uh, granted. And so I told my brother what was heavy on my heart, and he just repeated that prayer to the Lord and, uh, uh, and then concluded. And I felt so warm, so loved, so accepted that... Uh, I just wanted to hug my brother for doing that. So then when I got back to the United States, I said to myself, that was such a wonderful experience. I think I'm going to start doing that. And so anytime I met someone alone, uh, I would say to them, uh, what, do you want the, what do you need the Lord to do for you? And they would tell me, and then I would pray. And here is where faith in God and faith in his word comes in. I really believe the word. It is yea and amen to all that believe. And there was a scripture that God, uh, Earl used with me when he prayed that I started uh, copying him. Uh, but it's not a copy. It's what I believe. You see, the scripture says if two agree, touching any one thing, it shall be done. The scripture says that I, you, we can say to a mountain, be thou removed, and it will be tossed into the sea. And so whenever I'd take a person's hand, I would start out and I would say, Lord, you said that if two agree, touching any one thing. Just for an example, so a few days ago, I took my truck to an auto body shop and the uh, person that was going to work on my truck began to chat with me, and he told me his hands and his shoulder really hurt. So it was just he and I, so I thought, well, I'll just ask him the, the great question. And I said to him, what do you need the Lord to do for you? And I thought he was going to say, oh, my hands and my shoulder, but he didn't. He looked straight at me and said, I've got stomach cancer. Oh, I was shocked. I was expecting hand, shoulder. And so I took that man's hand and it became a God moment as we prayed for the healing of his stomach. Uh, years ago in my church in Michigan, we had a young fellow come our way and he was an Assemblies of God minister that worked in the Kaiapha College Ministries. And uh, 
he was a precious young man. He was in his 30s, but he was a hemophiliac. And when he would go and get uh, blood transfusions, one time he got tainted blood and he got HIV from it. So now he's coming to my church and he's a part of my small group. And one night at the small group, he got his guitar and he began to sing, You Are My Hiding Place. Psalms 32, verse 7. Uh, Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Uh, and so it was such a touching song. And here was a young man that had HIV. And then he, he banged his head against something. And uh, later it developed into cancer. And so now the young man is in the hospital and he's dying. So I went to the hospital to visit Danforth. And in the hospital, I'm sitting beside his bed, and I had learned to not assume what a person might ask for in prayer. So I thought, Danforth, this is his last prayer request possibly. I'll just ask him, Danforth, what do you need the Lord to do for you? And very seriously, he looked at me and he said, Pastor Stubbs, what I would like is a good paying job with benefits. I was shocked. This young man was still believing God up to the end, and all he could think about was uh, providing for his family and making sure that they all right, uh, they were all right. And I said to myself, Lord, I want this kind of faith. The doctors in that hospital would leave his room crying at the faith and, and the talk that, that Danforth would have about his love for the Lord. And so you're here this morning at New Life Assembly of God Church. And you're sitting all over this grand uh, auditorium. And uh, I read to you just earlier where in Hebrews 11 that it talks about a great cloud of witnesses. And many theologians believe that people in heaven can look down upon us we just cannot see them or contact them, but they can at least see uh, us. And so I believe that Earl Stubbs, my brother, is looking down upon me right now as I speak into uh, this uh, uh, telecast, going to New Life Assembly of God, and he is hearing me employing you to, why don't you copy Pastor Earl Stubbs? And when you meet people, why don't you say, hey, before you take off, let me ask you a question. What do you need the Lord to do for you? And then, I mean, many, many times people cry and tear up and, and it's just a God moment. And then the second question that I ask is, oh, by the way, have, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? And many times they tell me they have not. And uh, so I say, can I lead you in a sinner's prayer? And they take my hand and pray. Never forget this one young man. He uh, took my hand to pray that prayer. And in the midst of it, he stopped and said, now listen here, pastor, I'm serious. And I said, good, because that, that's what it takes. And so he came to Christ. So I'm asking you right now, as you're seated in this great auditorium, would you bring to mind something that you need the Lord to do for you? If I were seated right, seated right beside you and I would say, hey, what do you need the Lord to do for you? What would come to your mind? 
What do you need? So I'm asking you all over this great congregation to bring those thoughts to mind because I want to pray for you. And I'm going to believe that supernatural anointing power of God is going to go through this great auditorium and there are going to be miracles. There are going to be answers to prayer. There's going to be hope. There's going to be the power of God manifested. So let's pray together. You've got that in your mind? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you said in your word, if two agree touching any one thing, that it would be done. You said that we could say to mountains, be removed, and it would be tossed into the sea. Lord, all over this great auditorium, there are mountains that we can't budge. We can't do anything about it. It's bigger than us, but not bigger than you. And Lord, you said that if we ask in faith, believing that it would be done. And so, Lord, there are those here that are in great physical need. Their bodies are needing a great miracle from the Lord. Lord, COVID has just attacked uh, India and this church, and we're asking that you rebuke the devil. Lord, you bring healing. You bring the miracles. Lord, there are those here with great financial stress. God, we're asking for miracles, for finances, for homes. Lord, there's parents praying for their sons and daughters that are far, far from God. Lord, bring them back. Bring them back, Lord. Let miracle after miracle after miracle go throughout, Lord, this auditorium. Lord, I cannot uh, have come anywhere close to knowing all the needs that have come to people's minds, but I come to you, Almighty God, the omniscient one, the all-knowing one, and the all-powerful one, and I ask that you have your way this morning. And Lord, let miracles take place, and let people come to Christ this morning, and we will praise you, and love you, and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking time to listen. If you would like more information about our church, or would like to make a comment, please mail us at info at newlifeag.in. God bless you.